Welcome to Killer Women with your host, best-selling author, Danielle Girard. And now, Danielle's next killer woman. Hello, and welcome to Killer Women Podcast, a proud member of the Authors on the Air Global Network with more than 4 million listeners. I am your host, suspense author Danielle Girard, and my guest today is Michelle Campbell. Michelle is a graduate of Harvard College and Stanford Law School and a former federal prosecutor in New York City who specialized in international narcotics and gang cases. She is the internationally best-selling author of fast-paced psychological thrillers, including top 10 Sunday best Sunday Times bestseller, It's Always the Husband, She Was the Quiet One, and A Stranger on the Beach, both of which were optioned for film, and The Wife Who Knew Too Much, which Newsweek called The Perfect Escape. Her latest book, The Intern, is a pulse-pounding legal thriller about a young Harvard Law student who falls under the spell of a charismatic judge. It's a book of the month's early release selection for September. Welcome, Michelle. Hi, Danielle. I'm thrilled to be here. I love your books, and I'm so excited to be on your podcast. Well, it's a mutual admiration society because I love your books, and I love The Intern. This is my favorite Michelle Campbell book to date. So um, please tell our listeners a little bit about The Intern. Um, so the intern is the story of a young Harvard Law student who's from a very humble background and uh, is very bright and ambitious, and she gets the opportunity of a lifetime to intern for a really famous federal judge who she absolutely idolizes. Um, but Madison, the intern, has a secret, um, which is that her younger brother, Danny, is in trouble with the law and his case has been assigned to the judge. Danny goes missing after accusing the judge of corruption, and Madison doesn't want to believe that her idol is involved in anything uh, underhanded, but Danny swears that he's innocent, he's being framed, and the judge was in on it. So Madison has to go deeper into her very, the judge's very dangerous um, and mysterious world in order to find out what happened to her brother. And as she does this, it's, it's, becomes this kind of cat and mouse between uh, this judge who's taken on this young woman to mentor, um, but who realizes that this young woman is perhaps hiding something. And uh, Madison herself, who obviously um, has a huge amount at stake, both in terms of her brother's safety and her own career ambitions. Right. I, I, you know, I love this. I, I, I want to know, can you remember the spark for the story? I always love to see if like, if we can sort of draw out how the, how the author's brain works. Well, the spark is really that I wanted to return to writing legal thrillers. So I've had a long writing career. Um, and uh, a number of years ago, I wrote a legal thriller series under the name Michelle Martinez. My full name is Michelle Martinez Campbell, and I'm half Puerto Rican. And I had written a legal thriller series that was really rooted in my own experiences about being a federal prosecutor in New York. And then um, after a while, I started writing domestic suspense and um, I had a big career change in between. I went back to law for a while. Um, but when I came back to writing, I was writing those gone girl type books. You know, we all love those toxic marriage stories and those yeah. like frenemy thriller. Um, 
And uh, I really loved writing those because they were so character driven, as well as being obviously really pacey and having right. great plots. Um, so it enabled me to dig a little deeper into my writing, um, but I still missed the sort of legal world, which was where I had come from and yeah. what my background was in. So I really wanted to go back to writing um, a legal thriller. And uh, the idea just developed out of, you know, my own experiences, having been a young law student, having been a law clerk to a federal judge and kind of the exciting backdrop. Um, that the courthouse can provide yeah. um, and just wanting, you know, to get back to that realm, which is, uh, I think has uh, had a huge resurgence. You know, we're in a, a moment where Suits is the biggest show on streaming. Yeah. Um, John Grisham is about to publish a sequel to The Firm. And oh my God. it just seemed yeah. like the time right to go back to the legal thriller. So that was really the impetus. That's so interesting. So, um, you know, this this business is so funny, right? Because we were talking about this a little bit before we got on air, and that and that 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 I think reader, you know, our publishers really are comfortable with us doing the one thing that we've done really well. You know, like I'm a police procedural writer. I've always been a police procedural writer, and you've been a domestic. I mean, you've been a domestic as Michelle Campbell, a domestic suspense writer. And yet, I think our readers love 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 to read something you know, if they love our writing, then they'll be super excited to follow us to sort of a new path. And I think this is 100% going to be the case with the intern because it's all the love, like wonderful Michelle Campbell stuff, but it, it, it does feel like to me, it re I feel like I read you resonate in the story in a new, in a, at a higher level, because it feels like your world. And I think I always read, you know, the about the author and the acknowledgement sort of first, that's my, that's my MO. So knowing that you were a Harvard law student, I mean, a Harvard undergrad, you know, you were a law student, you, you know, you're back in Boston, it really felt like, okay, this is Michelle's, this is her jam, this is where she belongs. So tell us about that. How was it to be back at this is, I read it, you know, I haven't read every Michelle Campbell book, but I've read enough to think that this is your first book back in Boston right? Being in... Yes. Well, you know, actually, that's interesting because um, I, I've i set books in a number of places and they're all yeah. places that I've lived. Yeah. So I spent a lot of years um, as a lawyer living in New York. Um, and a lot of my books have New York in them. Um, certainly my first legal thriller series, but also it's always the husband, mm -hmm. uh, is set between New York and a college town in New Hampshire. I actually now live in a college town in New Hampshire. Um, but Boston is our closest big city and we yeah. do spend a lot of time. And so I've never really left it behind. Yeah. Um, and I had never book there but in recent years I, I've been yearning to do that because it is such a great city it um, has such an interesting ethnic mix and so that is going on in this book you've got Catherine Conroy the judge comes out of the Irish Catholic enclave in South Boston um, and Madison Rivera is Puerto Rican um, and you know this this sort of um, mix is really present in Boston. Yeah. Um, also, law in the courthouse is really ethnically diverse. So I have characters, you know, from every background, and I think it just makes for a really interesting um, brew. And in terms of the setting, I feel like Boston is, it has all of that sort of glitz and glam 
that we love um, in our books. Um, and that also goes sort of to the legal backdrop because, you know, these are not um, people who are spending time in the gritty streets. It's like courtrooms, boardrooms, a gorgeous townhouse in the back bay. Yeah. Everyone is beautifully dressed, you know, right. so it's, I love writing that stuff. And uh, it was always really fun to write that with domestic suspense. I love writing a good house. There's a great house in this book. Yes. Um, so all of that, like being in Boston just seemed to really flow and uh, was so fun to write. And I think is really fun to read. So fun to read. I, I, I absolutely agree. So tell me, did Matt, so does Madison come from, the other thing I love that you do in this book is we really start in Madison's point of view. And so we think this is a, it's Madison's story. And then, you know, whatever, 50, 75 pages in, we go to Kathy and her background. And then we sort of go back and forth between these two, you know, really sort of scrappy women, right? Both of them humble backgrounds, you know, um, a d difficult childhoods. So let's just leave it at that, right? Like these are not people who there's there's plenty of silver spoons around in this book, but these two women are not the silver. Did not grow up with silver spoons. So was Madison the first, and then or was Kathy first? I I wondered about that. Well, you know, it really in terms of if you're asking like how did the idea come to me? Yeah. Um, I just, I really wanted to do strong women. And so like the the whole female-led thriller is something that I have been writing for years now that yeah. I love, that I feel like resonates with readers. And so I sort of had the idea of these two women in this sort of power struggle. Yeah. And as it developed, you know how it is when you're writing and you kind of get to know your characters as you're going along. And as I dug into them, I realized that while they read as so different, like Judge Conroy comes across as a silver spoon. Yeah. That's how she presents herself to the world, but it's simply not true. Mm -hmm. And um, as it turns out, she and Madison have so much more in common than they could ever imagine. Right. And as the story develops, you know, Part of the suspense of the book is, I think the reader roots for both of them as yes. more layers of the onion are peeled back and we learn more about both of their backgrounds. And part of the suspense of the book is really what is going to happen in this relationship? You know, are they going to become allies? Are they enemies? Will they destroy each other or right. will they rescue each other? Because right. they're both really in quite a bit of danger as time goes on, um, based on the corruption in the book, um, yeah. which, you know, uh, it, I've had people compare it to The Departed. I don't know if you're familiar with that um, yeah. uh, film where it's sort of like, you know, without spoiling too much, the idea that corruption could um, sort of come from way back in your life that you could be born into it and yes essentially the idea of a deep cover spy you know who's been planted to do the bidding of evil forces and i think as we see as as catherine's story unfolds you know we see or at least we start asking is she a villain or is she a victim and you know right who's really controlling her 
Madison begins to see that as well. And it, it just sort of comes down to the wire in terms of what's going to happen in that relationship and how they will end up affecting one another's lives. Yeah, and, and that is so powerful. And I that is really the beauty of this book because I think you don't, even to the very end, you don't really know how that's going to end up. And it it is absolutely the tension and the conflict and the and the momentum of the story is those two women. And I, of course, here we are in Killer Women, and I love to explore, you know, female characters as well as obviously female authors. And one of the things I think about this book that I love so much is that these two women have had to survive, right? I mean, so, you know, Madison's mom is a single mom. There's, you know, her dad is not around. So it's, it is, and her mom is desperate to figure out what happened to her son. So, and, you know, we, I'm also the firstborn. And I know that when a parent depends on a child, it's oftentimes that, you know, the first child of daughter who gets all this sort of like, so she's taking care of her mother by trying to figure out what happened to her, her brother. And her mother doesn't understand what the ramifications of those actions will mean for Madison, right? That she's putting Madison in. Well, exactly. Not, I mean, yeah. it, it really, it really is for Madison a question of what does she owe her family as right. she moves forward into this new life? Because she's come from very humble origins. They didn't have much money. Um, and her father died, leaving yeah. her mother uh, alone to raise two kids. Her mother um, essentially was very mentally fragile. And yeah. so Madison has been in the position of taking care of her brother, who was very, you know, rebellious and troubled and, and in trouble with the law a lot. And she right. has been responsible for him since she was a child, essentially. And so when this terrible thing happens after he was basically seeming to get his life on track and then he gets uh, busted in a drug raid and he claims he was just in the wrong place at the wrong time and was being set up to take the fall by some very powerful people who have connections with corrupt law enforcement and judges. And uh, that's where Judge Conroy comes in. Um, yeah. So he's in the terrible position he makes these accusations and then he goes missing from inside jail so that it looks like an inside job right. and at that point Madison's mother is like it's unclear if she could ever survive the loss right. of her son under these extreme circumstances so Madison is desperate to help her family but in order to do that, she has to put everything she's been working for at risk, her entire education, her future right. legal career, uh, her professional relationships. Um, and so that is a terrible quandary for her. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And that's so powerful, right? Because I think it's a very, particularly, I feel like um, for the women in the book, and I, maybe for the women in general, I, you know, I don't want to say that it's not true for men as well, but there is something about you know that and it's not that different that Kathy has something similar right her mother also um you know was alone and not a super not an incredibly like you know strong resilient woman she sort of so Kathy too has this you know taking care of family and in a different a very different way and I'm not going to talk too much about that because it's it's so much a part of the the suspense of the story and you have to read it but um but I love the fact that these two women are are and they don't know that they are so similar in the beginning of the book. And they, and I love how they sort of find out um, 
that sort of their shared backgrounds. And it's um, it's very powerful. And I think it's it resonates as very universal because I do think oftentimes in families, whether the, the daughter is firstborn or or not, it's it is becomes her responsibility to care for the family. That that pressure is put on her while the you know the boy is supposed to go and just, you know, that find a career and do his things. The the woman is is supposed to take care of her family. Yeah, definitely um their backgrounds are so similar and also you really have, I think, picked up on something with their relationships with their mothers because mm -hmm. both of them have very complicated relationships with their mothers that are playing out into the events in the book, um, right. despite the fact that they're both adults. And in fact, Catherine is the judge is about 40, um, but her relationship with her mother ends up being a huge turning point in the plot. Um, yes. So I think those are that a lot of women can relate to uh, because I think a lot of women have complicated relationships <laughs> with their mother. So <laughs> I think we all do. What is it about mothers, right? Yeah. And then, of course, mother, you <laughs> right. know, and it's it's interesting too because I think both mothers in the story recognize the mistakes they made along the way, but also that they were not in a position to make different choices, right? That that is very much like and then and their they want more for their daughters, which both Catherine and Madison got. Um, you know, obviously they both have opportunities that their mothers didn't have, but it is so not straightforward. It's very complicated. And there's incredible sacrifices on the part of those mothers, you know, and also on the part of the daughters in caring for their family. So I think, and I do think it's incredibly universal. I think the statistic is something like women buy 75% of the books, you know, of, of books. And so these stories yeah. to me really resonate with readers because whether or not we have the kinds of moms that, that Kathy and, and Madison do, which hopefully most of us, you know, really don't have it quite so complicated, but it is, there are le level layers in all those relationships. So it's a hundred percent true. And then, absolutely, and then, yeah. I was just going to say, like, I think that um, with this book, I have really tried to meld the kind of character driven writing of my um, domestic thrillers with yeah. uh, the legal thriller background. So in the midst of the story of corruption and, you know, the courthouse, you get these very deep sort of character driven moments yes. that are about these family relationships and so forth. So it really is a blend. It is. A, and it's a wonderful blend. Like, and I think it's interesting because you were talking again before we came online that there's been this sort of resurgence of the legal thriller, right? Like Suits is number the number one streaming, like you said, and John Grisham, I guess I didn't know that, but he's got a, a, a sequel to The Firm coming out. Um, and that's all really exciting. But one thing I, those, and even, you know, those shows are very male driven, you know, are those, you know, the firm is a, is yes. a largely a male driven story. Suits is really about those, the two men. I love that show. Um, and mm -hmm. those, and it's, mm -hmm. it's a great show, but the fact that now we get these really in-depth looks at, at women, a look at women in, in the legal arena and how that's well, different. Yeah, totally. And it's really timely because more than 50% of law students nationally are now female. And wow. so women are driving the legal profession now. And I think it's really time that we have more legal thrillers with female protagonists and bringing the sort of female led thriller and the legal thriller together was really exciting for me with this book. 
I feel like it's actually unusual that there's not a lot of it out there right now. Yeah, so, that, uh, it surprises me too. Yeah, that is weird. Yeah, I mean, I just really wanted to go back to the legal thriller. And I think it's very timely because I think people are interested in reading that again. I remember the days like when, you know, John Grisham and uh, Scott Turow were the biggest authors in crime right. fiction and the legal thriller really predominated. But for years now, we've been on this domestic suspense kick. And, you know, I think there's definitely room to bring back the legal thriller in a big way. So that's been really fun for me with this book. And this book is, the other thing I love about this book is that it's very, there's very much a domestic element to it, right? These are these, these aren't just women in the courtroom, which, you know, a lot of what we see on, you know, on, like on Suits or in, in those firm was really focused on the career aspects of it. And the firm less so, there was a lot of obviously into his personal life, but I do feel like this gives us a chance to really, you marry them really well. They're very, and they are really, they're a hugely relevant combination of the domestic because you know these and for women in particular I think our lives are very much more sort of sewn into our home life as well as our careers because there's oftentimes like family to take care of whether they be children or or siblings or parents that women are more you know in general more involved in than than their their male counterparts um absolutely I, this yeah. is not this is not an office book although there are definitely a lot of scenes set in the judges' chambers. Yes. It's much more about uh, their personal relationship because as time goes on, in order to find out what happened to her brother, uh, and also because the judge has her own kind of mysterious um, issues, yes. um, Madison actually spends a lot of time at the judge's house. Uh, there's an incident early on where the judge who's, you know, supposedly this distant, cold figure and her um, her case manager has warned Madison, don't approach her, don't try to suck up to her. Um, yeah. Your job is just to do legal research and leave her alone. But uh, Madison is working late one night and the judge comes into uh, the intern office and says, uh, would you like to come out to dinner with me? And right. sort of is in her own way, luring Madison um, because the judge is in danger and she basically, you know, needs some, some help. Um, right. And Madison has reasons that she wants to sort of go undercover and she ends up sort of becoming kind of a house sitter to the judge and right. spending a lot of time with her on a personal level. And that's kind of when we get to know the two women so well and go yeah. deeper into their background. And it's, I think there's, I mean, it's, it, we see that first crack in the judge that night. I feel like the first, like, because in the, at that part in the book, we're, we're in Madison's point of view. So we don't really know what's going on in Judge Conroy's head, but we get these little, which I love too, because it just, it, it suggests there's more than meets the eye to the judge, which we learn later. Of course, there's, there's much more that, than what meets the eye. And, yeah. and I love that. And, you know, I think, I, I think the way you've gone back and forth between the two points of view is also really, I love that. I, and it's not just like every other chapter, which I think we see in, in a lot of books, but these sort of big chunks of learning about these two women, you know, and, and these, you know, and then I love the fact that there's these violent, you know, not, you know, it's not just men that are, you know, on the bad side of this stuff. Of course, it's not 
the way it works in the world. But there are some really scary men in this book um, that come after, you know, both of these women and they're, they're, they're being sort of divided. That's the, the men, of course, are trying to wedge them apart because they're easier to take down. Everybody's easier to take down when they're isolated, right? Like you, you get a, a, you know. So so that's true. There's a whole sort of organized crime, police corruption element to the book that is a little bit grittier where we're not just talking about oh, these two women are going out for cocktails. No, there Mm -hmm. is a dark side um, to this world and it's constantly threatening to engulf both of these women. And uh, so that element is really woven in throughout. And in terms of what you mentioned about the structure, um, that's sort of the craft aspect that I know you as a writer also love to talk about, but the idea that um, we do get the story in chunks. And so it switches back and forth. We have a big uh, piece of Madison at the beginning, which is very sort of plot driven and and forward momentum where we learn about her brother and his terrible situation. And then he disappears. And the judge is asking her to get more involved in uh, her world. And, um, you know, Madison is starting to realize that there's something not right there. And then we go back right. in time uh, to learn more about the judge um, and sort of get who is she and how does that factor in uh, and then come back to the present with her as we realize, you know, the dangers of the situation. And then the second uh half of the book again goes back and forth between the two women in terms of you know their sort of cat and mouse struggle and then how is this going to resolve so it really is very carefully structured to kind of draw out the characterization um, and also really to deliver kind of maximum suspense so that you really want to keep turning those pages. Which you do, 100%. I was I was turning them madly. Um, so, te- and tell us, like, so, you know, since we're, you know, author to author, I like to hear about sort of, you know, your process. Did you know, did you sort of like, are you a somebody who like outlines it all? I, you know, I, fi- I figure as a law student, you're probably really organized. I mean, as a lawyer, you're very so organized. The- with this book the process with this book was actually really messy um <laughs> that's usually the case usual. right yeah well, right. Okay, although this us. one was like i would say one of my messiest because okay. it really started i wanted it to be a legal thriller but i was sort of um you know coming out of the domestic suspense uh kind of genre um the initial take on this book was that it was going to be about a judge and a law student. And the judge was the, uh, the, the law student was the judge's house sitter. And in fact, the original title of this book was the house sitter, which reads really domestic. Um, and as I, I did a whole draft of this and this was during COVID. Um, and, uh, you know, so I think a lot of us were trying to sort of figure out how to write during that time period. <laughs> it's like, so true, I, I just, right? It's like everything was so up in the air and crazy. Um, so I did this whole draft that was really focused on the house sitting during COVID and it came out, I was not happy with it. Um, yeah. Neither was my editor, frankly, because it just didn't work as a legal thriller to have 
only like their relationship only be around their personal side. There wasn't enough law. There wasn't enough danger. And the story was really different. Um, it, some of the characters, all the characters are the same, but uh, it, it's really just like a completely different book in which um, Chloe and Madison, Chloe being uh, sort of a peripheral character now, but she and Madison were roommates and best friends. And she ended up sort of getting murdered because of her father being involved in the conspiracy. Yes. And it yeah. was just all these other things happened. And it's just, you know, it yeah. had to be rewritten. So that whole draft got scrapped. And then I worked long and hard on this draft, including really restructuring it a lot so that I could um, bring out, you know, the characterizations that we've been talking about and, and just kind of weave them in, in a way that would flow. Um, originally, there were just two sections, Madison and then the judge, um, but that really needed to get better integrated because you didn't get the judge's story until too late in the book. Right. Um, so, you know, this book went through a lot of changes and I feel like it really came out great in the end. I'm really happy with it, but yeah. I had to go through all that to make it happen. So yeah. that's what happened. Well, and it's interesting because I think, you know, obviously not a lot of, you know, readers know exactly how, you know, just how many iterations a book can go through. And I think you know, that we do have yeah. a lot of aspiring writers who listen to the podcast. And I think it's also really important for them to know that this is normal process. I just did the exact same thing. I mean, a whole, what I, you know, book. And I was like, nope. And it wasn't even like, there was nothing salvageable other than sort of the very seed of the story. And it's, that is a, that's I feel painful. that, Danielle. <laughs> I totally it? feel that. It's so yeah. painful. Um, <laughs> And how, you know, I mean, I guess the thing is like, how do you go about it? Like, how did you, you know, mentally and, you know, did your editor give you some, or just say, this isn't working? Like, so yeah, my, that's editor, important. my editor was the one, like, I, I was hoping I could really fix the house sitter draft, but ultimately when we looked at what that was going to take, you know, I kind of felt like it wasn't enough of a legal thriller and yeah. She just felt like it wasn't gelling. So that's when we really came to, it needs a total overhaul. Like it needs to essentially be trashed and rewritten from the beginning. Right. And the great thing is that my editor sticks with me through that until yeah. the book is right. Because right. I really don't want to put out something that I'm not 100% thrilled with. And she doesn't no. either. So yeah. I think you really need to have that kind of great working relationship. And my editor, um, you know, she's a great editor and she yes. knows what books need. And she, she really kind of makes me do my best work and helps me do my best work. So I'm really glad I went through that process as painful as it was. Yes. <laughs> and I think that, but the other thing about it is, and, and you do have an incredible editor. She's wonderful. And I, and we can tell from the books that she edits that, that, that she's so good at what she does. Um, but this yeah. is also like, totally. you're, I mean, and, and that's wonderful, but day to day, like we also know it's you alone, right? I mean, you are, a, it's, uh -huh. she's not, you know, you're not sending page by page. You are, you are literally like, I mean, so what was that like? Have you done that before where you had to sort of like really, really start over? I had one book. I had one book um, that was really a total dump it and rewrite it. And 
I ended up being very happy with that in the end. Um, and the fact that we'd done that before, I think, made it easier for us to say like, like okay, that's what we need to do with this one. Um, right. And yeah, but it's painful. And like, I mean, yeah. ultimately, you, you're like sick about it. You know, you're right. just like, oh, my God. <laughs> right. It was I like mean, a year of work that I threw exactly. away. <laughs> a year and of day-to-day -day yeah. work. Yeah. I, and it sounds to me like you're not necessarily a plotter. It is an organic story that comes as you write it. You kind of have the idea. Yeah, I mean, how, I had, what do you I know? I've written out this. I, I can write an outline, but that doesn't necessarily tell you anything. I mean, right. I feel like I do outline all my books. I find that <laughs> somewhat useful, but not like, it doesn't say anything about what goes on any individual page, you know? Right, right. It's like, That's okay, so here's a bunch of plot points and some character notes. But then you start writing the book and that has its own total energy, momentum and logic. And sometimes yes. it just doesn't work. Yeah. So that's what happened here, unfortunately. <laughs> well, I mean, and I mean, unfortunately for the process, but fortunately for the book, right? I mean, I think in the end, yes. like the one thing we have to sort of remember as authors is that it's all in service of the story. And you know, the extra year of work, well, God, if, if there was a way to avoid that, we would all avoid it. But if this is the book that, I mean, I don't, didn't read The House Sitter, but I, I read the intern and I think it was worth it, right? I mean, it was worth it to get this story out of it. And sometimes, I mean, I talk to people who on purpose write a whole draft of something and then set it aside and start over, which I think is, because that's when they realize what the book is really about, which I think is, yes. you know. It makes sense. I, I do agree that that's, that can be necessary. I mean, I've had books that didn't, you know, I've had, luckily my other yes. books didn't. <laughs> so yes. I guess if you added my original legal thriller series, this is my ninth book and mm -hmm. two of them, I had to do, like get rid of my first draft completely and start from the beginning after writing a whole book. The rest of them didn't have that. And I hope that my future <laughs> books won't. Um, but right. you know, it's kind of a magical, weird process that we go through. So yep. I kind of feel like I can't predict. I mean, I think chances are my next one will flow easily. But, you know, you can't, you, you can never tell. Have you had that experience, Danielle? Oh, you said you yes. did, right? Yeah. Uh, I, in the book I'm, uh, you know, that is going out on submission now is, was a hundred percent and not just, and just like you, it was a full book. It was a, you know, it was a completed manuscript. It was, you know, and I'm a, I'm an overwriter. So it was 105,000 words or something. And it is all in the trash. Uh -huh. Like it is just, uh -huh. it is gone for good, but you know what it is. And, you know, and nobody could have stopped me in the middle and been like, this isn't going to work out for you because I think that I had to write the, the trash draft or the recycled <laughs> or whatever we want to say about that draft. I had to write that. Right. So I think you probably had to write this well, as the house of it. Yeah. And I mean, I think we also always hold out hope, right? Like it's yeah. like you're writing something and it's not going well, but you're like, Oh, I can fix this. I can fix this. I'm going to, I need to get to the end and then I'll know exactly how to fix it. Um, and usually that's true. I mean, every book has its um, 
ups and downs and it's moments when you're kind of like, oh, this isn't working. Right. Uh, and most of them you get to the end and you're like, oh, that turned out pretty good. And now I see exactly what I need to do to make it great. Right. Well, occasionally, uh, and luckily only occasionally, right. there's just really, you know, you just can't, so. And it's, it's important, I think it, you know, I think the sign of a really good author is the one who can take a step back from a full manuscript and be like, ooh, this isn't working and it needs something major and it's not, band-aids are not gonna fix it. Because I think that is, that's how we honor the process, the book, the reader, right? We're not, you know, you don't just, you don't just say, well, I think I can do this and this and make it okay. We're not, we're not in the business of making thing the okay book, right? You wanted a right. great book. Well, I think like if you, if you put out material, first of all, my, my editor doesn't want a just okay book. Um, right. But also I think you're kind of breaking your trust with your readers. If you put out something that you aren't happy with. I just right. couldn't do that. I'm sure you couldn't either. And I don't think it would be good for our ongoing, you know, careers um, right. to or publish something that was really a dud. So yeah. yeah. Right. So that's never, definitely never, part of the process. Never making it right before you yeah, exactly. We didn't, we're not we're not in the business of putting out duds. That would be bad. So tell us, um, because now it sounds like there's like a shift in in the Michelle Campbell um, world about you know this coming returning a little bit to the legal thrillers or returning to them. Do you? And, and I hate this because you're well, here. We are celebrating this incredible book, The Intern, and already I want to know what what you're working on next. Can you talk at all about oh, that? Well um, I'm really not ready to talk about what I'm working okay. on next. Uh, I have a variety of ideas, um, some some legal thriller ideas, and something that's really different, that's sort of part thriller, part historical, part speculative fiction that I've been thinking about for a while. And the question is, um, what am I going to write next out of these different yes. ideas? And um, as soon as I know, I'll start talking about that on my social media, but I don't know yet. So, yeah, but there's a lot percolating. So, that, well, that's good. I mean, and it sounds like you're somebody who has multiple ideas at once. I feel like I've, I have, when I have one idea, it's all in, it's all I've got. So I love uh -huh. the idea that you've got multiples in your brain. Oh, no. I also have, I, you're probably like this. I assume most writers are. I have files of like I must have 50 book ideas I mean that are just written in a file that I've been cultivating literally for decades yeah. so like from like I was like oh now I'm writing legal thrillers and I go back through my documents and I found some great legal thriller ideas from back when I was writing legal thrillers so yeah I'm like, oh <laughs> This might be 10 years old, but why not? Yeah. You know? Right. So because, it's still yeah, a good and yeah, how good you story. it's how you write the story. So I have a lot of thoughts about where I could go next. And it's really a question of picking one and going for it. So yeah. I love that. And I am not that way. I do not have a I wish I had 50 ideas. I am a pretty much just one or two ideas that are, you know in my mind. And there's usually one that's the, that's the clear winner. I don't, you know, and I, I do know people, I mean, I know people who've been through exercises where they're, you know, their agents or their editors have them write like 50 ideas. And I think that that sounds terrifying. I can't imagine 
coming up with more than one idea <laughs> at a time. But so I, what is I your it. what's your next what's your next book, Danielle? <laughs> I'm um well um I'm writing I'm working on the book that's going out. I'm doing a revision, but I'm worried I'm going to write a book about called Deceived about a woman who um who finds out that her husband had a long-term affair and as you may have heard that's a little bit personal for me so I'm going to write that book next um but it's you know I mean that's I only need one but I I do hear about people who have multiple multiple ideas and I think that's amazing I don't I I think about all, all writers work a little differently and um maybe it's good I only have one because if I had 50 I'm not sure how I would choose uh-huh. Well, yeah. it sounds like that book is going to be amazing and from the heart. So I, I can't wait to read that one. Wow. <laughs> well, I'll make sure you get an advanced copy. I'm sure it will yes. be. Yes. It, well, if nothing else, it'll be very cathartic and healing to write it. So I think that's, you know, I think, and I think that's probably true for all of us. There's some part of the writing that really is about our own stories and our own struggles. I mean, not not that you struggled the way either of these characters struggled, but that there is a piece of us in them. Absolutely. And that's really true uh, of this book for me because Madison, much more than Catherine, but um, both of them, but mainly Madison does really have a lot in common with me. And I do feel like, as we were talking about some of those first child, younger brother, you know, Mm -hmm. things. Yeah, that definitely a lot of that hits close to home. And as you said, you know, we work through some of these issues in our own writing. Right. I think that, I mean, I know for myself, I think that one of the reasons I started writing was to sort of, you know, give air to my worst fears. And so my first book was about, um, you know, a woman with a small child um, who basically was a, a serial killer was she was an FBI agent, a serial killer was sort of tracking her. And I, I think, you know, I'm a worst case scenario thinker. So the idea that somebody could come after my, me and my child was the scariest thing that, you know, existed. And when that book came out, I had an eight month old. So it's, you know, it is really a, it's a process for giving a, a voice because I think we all have, there's so many of us that have those same, and they're not exactly rational, right? Like I live in Montana, probably no serial killers are tracking me. I hope. Um, so it's probably not going to be my <laughs> exactly. story, but, but it is, it is, it's very cathartic to write about and it's, it's cathartic to read about it too. I find it really cathartic to read the books about, you know, it's sort of, it's a really weird thing to suffer, to like put yourself through these, these harrowing stories. And somehow also that, that is, it's like very comforting. It's, some, it's weird, right? doesn't really make sense. Yes. Because you, <laughs> you can make it come out okay in the end you know yes one thing that I really wanted for this book you know again like without spoilers is I I didn't want a terrible ending for my characters without saying what ending they get I wanted them to be okay you know like I feel like you know the world is is a dark and terrible place in a lot of ways. And, yeah. and while, while we do want to, you know, with crime fiction sort of work through some of those fears, as you were saying, we yeah. also kind of wanted to uh, have not a happy ending, but at least we want justice to be done. Yeah. And we want good people to, you know, if not be rewarded, at least not be punished and we want the bad guys to be punished so I definitely like think about that when I'm I'm thinking of my endings 
And I have to say, I and there is no spoilers in this show, but I have to say, I do feel like at the end of this book, one of the things I think it's really hard to accomplish is to give a satisfying ending without everybody feeling like you tied things in a bow, which, you know, people don't, I mean, because the world isn't so tidy, um, but also that you feel like you got it, you, there is, like you said, a sense of justice and a sense of real resolution. And you did that beautifully. So everybody is going to need to Thank read you. this book. Um, so I, I'm going to, and I actually wore my red to match the beautiful, um, her red. Yeah, She's you wearing know, red. I, I need to get, <laughs> I'm actually about doing a couple of, um, in-person events and I was realizing I need to get a red shirt because, um, let's see, I have my background yes. blurred, but my book was sitting. So let's see. Oh, I, go the I other way. I know everything's reversed. We've been there talking. There it is. Right. And I'm showing, you can't see me, so. but I have it. At, I'm right. holding it up as but well. But you're showing it too. Yes. So, um, so yeah. So uh, one thing that's funny about this book jacket, I just want to mention this, is that um, my hair and the hair of the girl on the cover yeah. are yeah. pretty similarly styled. And when I was a lawyer, I had an outfit that was like a black pencil skirt and a red sweater that I used to wear pretty regularly. So when that's... I first saw this cover, I was like, oh my God, that's me from my lawyer days. That's <laughs> I well, thought it was is... funny. It's so funny and it's so relevant. And you're right. She is. And I love the fact that she, you can kind of can't, there's, you can't see too many details about her. So she could be anyway, but she does have a, the dark Bob. Um, and yeah, right. she's wearing, she's wearing your clothes. Well, you, I think, Michelle, from one woman to another, you absolutely have to go buy yourself something very beautiful in the color of red. <laughs> I know. I'm, I really need to do it soon, too, because uh, this book comes out on October 3rd. So my uh, launch events are coming up. I need a red sweater and a black pencil skirt. You do. <laughs> ASAP. <laughs> ASAP. Or something fabulously red. I, I, I'm, I love the color right. red. It's such a fun power color. And it's um, so, and it will look beautiful on you. So I know you'll find something perfect and I'll look on social media. This right now, when you're hearing this, it is October 5th, which means this book is out in the world and you need to go get a copy. I, Michelle, I read so many books, but this was just such a pleasure. It was so, such a fun read, such a fast read and such a rewarding read. I really felt like I know these women and I understand them. And actually that's another thing is even the villains in the story, you understand, you know, why they largely why they do what they do, which I think I appreciate because nobody wants to read a, you know, all bad, all go, all, you know, all the villains right. are bad. Yes, exactly. And you don't want some mustache twirling pirate or something who just <laughs> seems like a big figure, you know, you want like a flesh and blood person whose motivations you understand. And that makes a worthier adversary. But let me just say that, um, uh, your kind words mean a lot to me because I I love your books and your Thank writing you. and I know that you think a lot about craft and that you also love to read so uh, it's just been an absolute pleasure being here and discussing this with you and um, taking your incredibly insightful questions and comments so thank you so much oh my god Michelle my pleasure and I really did I love the intern everybody will, will be giving away a copy of this um in the next couple of weeks but such a so highly recommend i love that you got back into legal thrillers i did i i knew you were incredibly bright i knew you'd gone to harvard and stanford so no dummies over there but i also didn't know this part of your life and i i love getting an insight because i have zero experience in the legal world and 
and it is so interesting and such a you know an unexplored world for wit of women in books i feel like so thank you for doing that for us thank you it's been wonderful to be here everybody this has been killer women with michelle campbell and the intern i'm danielle gerard and we will see you next time bye <laughs>